just want to say a word about our preacher for this morning. I'm so thankful that we have the privilege to have Nate Abrams with us. Nate is the lay leader for the North Georgia Conference of the United Methodist Church. That means essentially he works alongside our bishop to see about the spiritual life and health of the congregations, particularly the laity of the churches in North Georgia and the leadership that's given by the laity. If you're familiar with Shambly Methodist at all, you may know our lay leader, Leslie Hall. And I don't know that there's anybody of finer integrity and character in this church than Leslie. Uh, and so if you want to put it in some perspective, Nate is the Leslie for the North Georgia Conference of the United Methodist Church. So we are definitely fortunate to have him as our guest this morning to preach. Nate, would you come? Thank you, Pastor Eric. Uh, good morning, Shambly First. It is always a pleasure and an honor for me when I am invited uh, to come to a congregation to speak God's word for a little bit. So I thank you for having me uh, this morning. Um, our text this morning comes from the book of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Uh, I was asked to make a note that there is a minor typo in the program this morning. It says Luke chapter 15. It is actually chapter 5. So if you would uh, hear now the word of the Lord. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you all would pray with me for just a moment. Lord, we thank you for gathering us together today, gathering as your people, gathering to worship you, gathering to hear a bit about your word. And now, Lord, I pray that you will open our ears that we may hear you, open our eyes that we may see you, open our minds that we may follow where you would lead us. Let these words that come forth be exactly the words that these your people need to hear. In Jesus' name, we give thanks and we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. So my wife and I love to work out. For us, physical activity is a real boost for both our physical and our mental health. Moving our bodies gets us, makes us stronger, just helps us to feel better and to be better. 
We average around five workouts a week and we mix it up between strength training and cardio. Personally, I love to run. If I can just get on a treadmill or out on the, the road and go, it just helps me out. I love it. My wife prefers strength training. We had to cancel our gym membership when COVID hit, but thankfully we were able to find some quality online fitness instruction that really helped us out. One of my favorite instructors, whose name is Jess Sims, often says this. She says that you are not responsible for your reaction, but you are responsible for your response. And she stresses this, and it's usually in the middle of some intense workout that has me second-guessing why I started to work out in the first place. She says that we can't control our initial reaction to any given stimulus, but what we can do is choose how we ultimately respond to that stimulus. The text before us today is heavy on both reaction and response. It's about how Jesus' call elicited a reaction and a response from Simon and the first disciples. But I don't want to get ahead too far. I want to set the stage for us first. So here in Luke 5, we find that Jesus has become somewhat of a minor celebrity. In chapter 4 of Luke, he preaches in his home synagogue and he amazes the people with his words. And they look around and they ask each other, is this Joseph's son, the carpenter? Also in that chapter, he drives out a demon, he heals a bunch of people, and he travels around preaching in other synagogues. At this point, he's kind of a B-list celebrity, if you, if you can imagine that. He's known around the region, you know, people kind of know who he is, but he's not so famous yet that the authorities in Rome know him yet. They're not ready to come after him yet. He's not quite that famous. So when Jesus asked Simon to take him out in the boat so that he can preach to the people who've gathered to hear him, it's likely that Simon had some idea who he was. Simon complies and he takes the rabbi out. And when Jesus finishes preaching, he tells Simon to put out into the deep water. At this point, Simon calls him master. And that's a pretty generic term for someone who's in charge. It's like, you know, telling your manager at work, yeah, boss, I got you. Simon knew that Jesus was someone important at this point, but he didn't know just how important Jesus was or how important he would become. Simon sat in the boat with Jesus as he preached, and he listened to the same message as the people on the shore. But the text doesn't really tell us how Simon reacted to Jesus' words. Perhaps he was mildly impressed. Perhaps he was just grateful that this somewhat well-known rabbi had chosen his boat for a pulpit. Perhaps he fell asleep. I mean, he'd been out fishing all night, so he's probably pretty tired. The point is, we, we don't know. The text doesn't really tell us what Simon is thinking or feeling at this point. But what we do know is that Simon is just a little bit dubious when Jesus tells him to go out into the deeper water and to put his nets down for a catch. If you say so, I will let down the nets, Simon tells him. Are there any parents or grandparents of teenagers in here? I know when I read this, I heard just a little bit of a tone of voice here. It's as if Simon is saying, I don't really believe you, but you're in charge, so I'll do what you tell me to do. <laughs> so even though he's sitting in the boat with Jesus, 
we get the sense that Simon doesn't really get it yet. We don't really get any real reaction from Simon until something changes. So Simon does what Jesus tells him, and he goes and rows out farther, and he casts his nets. And to his surprise, when he tries to pull them in, he finds the nets so full that he can't. And he has to call in his partner's boat to help. And then both boats nearly sink from the load of fish. And it's at this point that we get a real reaction out of Simon. He says, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And he falls at Jesus' feet. I want you to note the noun change here. Right here, Simon calls Jesus Lord, not master like he did earlier. In the radical change of circumstance that Jesus presented to Simon, which was the huge catch, Simon finally recognizes Jesus' power. And his instinct, his first reaction is to push Jesus away. When presented with a radical, potentially life-altering change, Simon's reaction is to run away from the one who created the change. He chooses to stay a sinful man. He chooses to close his eyes to what might be coming next. Remember what I said at the beginning. Reaction is natural, and it's uncontrolled. Discipleship... Following the call of Jesus requires us to move beyond our initial reaction, though. It requires us to move beyond the initial revelation of our sinfulness when we recognize Jesus. Discipleship requires us to make a faithful response. In order to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we have to make a deliberate choice to turn toward Jesus and to follow him. At the beginning of our text, Simon obviously was not yet a disciple. This is a call story after all. He was just a fisherman at that point. He probably made a decent living working the Sea of Gennesaret with his partners. He likely owned his boat, probably owned his own house. He was doing all right until this local minor celebrity named Jesus came and gave him an economic windfall. I mean, think about it. With the proceeds from a catch that large, Simon and his partners probably would have been able to buy a fleet of boats and hire a group of men to work them for them. They could have retired in comfort and relaxed. Talk about a change in life. Talk about a choice to make. One commentary notes this. It says that the call of the kingdom requires a reversal of priorities and a reordering of commitments. Simon had been living his life, taking his boat out to sea and doing his job. And he would have gone on doing so if Jesus hadn't arrived and shaken things up. It's hard to overstate this point. The miracle of abundance that Jesus offered was life-altering. And the normal response would have been to freak out for a moment, just like Simon did, And then to get himself together, gather up those fish, take them to market, and pocket the profits. But Jesus offers him an alternative. He offers a different set of priorities. He gives Simon a chance to commit to something new, and he calls him to do a new work in faith. Don't be afraid, he tells Simon. 
From now on, you will fish for people. Jesus calms Simon's fearful reaction, and he gives him space to make a different choice. Simon takes him up on his offer, and he becomes the first disciple. He, James, and John leave their boats. They leave everything that they know, everything that is comfortable and certain, and they respond to the call and the commission that Jesus has put before them. They make the choice to follow Jesus. One more time, our reaction is natural, but our response, what we ultimately do, is a choice. And this is the crux of discipleship. If we want to follow Jesus, we can't just go on our gut reaction. We have to make faithful responses to whatever life throws at us and then deliberately follow where Jesus leads. Like Simon, when we're faced with a radical, serious change, we may react poorly. Even if the change is good, we may still have a poor reaction to it. I remember when my first son was born. I was fine through the pregnancy, and I was fine through the endless doctor's appointments. I was fine through the hospital stay and the actual birth. But after we brought him home, I broke down and cried in our bedroom. My wife had birthed this little miracle, this wonder of life. But when the support of the doctors and the nurses and our family went away, I found that I was completely overwhelmed. I didn't know what to do or how to do it. I had a poor reaction to a wonderful change. And that happens to all of us. But the thing is, we can't stay in those reactions. I didn't stay there. After a few minutes, I got up and started being a dad. I chose to learn what I needed to know in order to care for my son. We can't only react. We have to make a faithful response. We have to make faithful choices. And we have to realize that discipleship often means making the choice to leave things behind, sometimes even good things. Remember, that catch of fish could have been life-changing for Simon, James, and John. But they left it behind to follow the one who called them to something that was greater than either comfort or wealth. But we know that change isn't always good, right? So what do we who seek to be disciples do when the changes we face aren't miraculous? What do we do when the changes are challenging or even disastrous? Well, fortunately, the same rules apply. You must allow and even honor your initial reaction. And then don't be hasty in making your decision. Take a moment. Look for Jesus in the space. And whatever you do, don't push him away. And then make a deliberate choice to follow him. Make the choice to follow wherever Jesus is leading. When Jesus calls to us through a change, our response should be to leave our boats and to leave everything else and follow him into the unknown. Our bishop is fond of this quote by the writer Corey Ten Boom. She says, Never be afraid to trust, to trust an unknown future to a known God.
I want to repeat that because it's really important. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Remember that Jesus didn't tell Simon where they would be going. Rather, he gave Simon a commission. From now on, Jesus said, you will fish for people. In the middle of Simon's daily work, Jesus shook things up. He changed his circumstances and he opened Simon's eyes to something new. And then he gave him a choice to make. He gave him a commission to accept or to reject, not a destination or an endpoint. One of the choices we have to make in our discipleship journey is whether or not to trust Jesus when we don't know where we're going. We tend to crave stability and certainty, but the truth is that we are constantly immersed in change. Life is dynamic. We will have our reactions to it, especially if the changes challenge our sense of identity, if they disrupt our comfort, or they disrupt our community. But as disciples of Jesus Christ, we know that no matter what lies on the other side of the change, as long as we make the choice, as long as we respond to the call and commission that Jesus gives us with a yes, well, then we know that God's kingdom will be built. We know that hope and love will grow, and we know that we will be cared for as we travel with our Lord. So when change comes, when Jesus calls, do not be ashamed of your initial reaction. It's natural. Feel whatever it is you feel, but don't stay there. Make the choice to leave your boat, whether that's a home, a job, a relationship, whatever it is that holds you back from saying yes to the call and commission of God. Make the choice to leave it behind and follow Jesus. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.